You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to Season 7, Episode 41 of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John, I'm your host for tonight, and I'm joined by John. How are you doing? Yeah, good, John. Uh, and uh, if you've been following the Twitter account, we did say we hopefully we're having someone making a welcome return, and they've managed to make make it to give us three on the the podcast tonight. I'm sure that'll be a number that you want to talk about as well. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Hi, I've several people on the podcast. Always good. Yes. John, I thought you said this was a welcome return. Well, <laughs> I. I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. You, you had Wait to you, you, you had to come back in the week of the double treble, eh? Pick I did. I've been waiting. Who's he coming back? Otherwise, nah. Uh, nah, I've had other things to deal with, unfortunately, in my life. But uh, I guess it's, it's good to be back on. And uh, I, 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 like you say, I've timed it well. We are. I, I did. Uh, we were hoping we would maybe get Greg back on. Uh, folk that have listened to the podcast since the start. Would you remember Greg? Motherwell fan. Um, but I'm going to get one tonight. Hopefully, maybe get one that season at some point. Uh, hopefully. It's unfortunate because I think Motherwell had. Uh, well, I know they finished bottom six, but they were top of bottom six and two domestic cup finals. So I would imagine the Motherwell fans are pretty happy with how things have been going this season under Stephen Robinson. Well, so it would be good to get Greg's taking that. Aye. Yeah. I'm sure they'll improve that season as well. Aye, they'll be, they'll be able for top six, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. There's good foundations there as well. I know today they've announced a few players getting released, but there was, there's no one really um, that's maybe involved with the first team squad so much. Mostly friends players, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, the biggest loss for Motherwell was when they Louis Bolt left and the January fans for window, but. They seem to kick on for that anyway. It never really phased them. Yeah. Um, They've had three players go back on to their parent clubs. Um, Chifty, obviously. They might want to get him back. He did all right in his his other appearances that he made. Um, Hendry as well. And Aldred. I think Aldred's the one they'd like to get back the most. He's been pretty much a regular this season. So he seemed to be happy with the time at the club as well from Twitter as well so we'll see what happens yeah and Mother got a wee bit more money in the bank as well because obviously getting to two cup finals and they made a bit of money in Louis Moulton in January they made a profit in Marvin Johnson who'd obviously been sold for profit by Oxford to Middlesbrough and they got a cut of that and so yeah it's been a profitable season for them um, in the bank balance um, they don't have millions to spend but I'm sure they'll be able to bring in better replacements um, going forward yeah, uh, the, the fan ownership model seems to be working quite well for them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they're not the only team that's been doing that. So, Marin have had their fan ownership uh, model working uh, terrifically in the Championship. So, we're interested to see how they got on when they come up next season. Yeah, well, they're trying to use some of their money to um, entice Jack Ross in a longer term deal. He's a sought after man, had talks with Ipswich, but there's talk that Frank Lampard's also in for that job. Um, and Sunderland are wanting him as well, having completed their takeover. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I still hope he hangs a bit and has a crack at the uh, Scottish Premiership before he plays in England. But, so uh, they are. We shall see. It's one of those, though, you would think by now that 
what the top draw last week weren't they middle of last week yeah I think it was towards the end of last so you week thought, you'd have thought maybe that would have had enough time for them to take it to the hood but maybe just I don't know you think about whether it's going to be better for them or not they're in a lot of debt Ipswich as well so it's much as they're a big club pretty big club you don't want to go there and end up maybe in a situation where Derek McInnes faced when he was at Bristol City and you're maybe getting all pot to piss in as they say <laughs> I think Neil Lennon had the same problem when he was at Bolton yeah yeah uh, Stubbs at Rotherham as well aye that's another good example we've gone down there I think we've said mentioned before in the podcast there's been a few managers that have gone down there and had us not done too well because of that and that maybe makes him think twice well that's why McInnes turned down Sunderland you know, it would have been easy for him to take um, treble his wages to go, go down there but he had to look under the car bonnet so to speak and so there was a lot of problems and thought no thank you um, and that proved to be the right decision and now Chris Coleman's reputation is in tatters after what he'd done with Wales previously he's probably not going to get many offers after this summer I think Swans are also interested in uh, Debo. Was it not Erlo? Yeah, I read that myself. <laughs> Aye, English football. Nobody's interested. Yeah. Yeah. So, charity bet. We went for Tom Rogers this war first. He wasn't far away as well. Ah, he had it. He had the effort early on, about seven minutes into the game, so uh, it was just past the post. Yeah, that would have that would have taken us over the seven hundred pound mark. But we finished on about six hundred and seventy pound in pence. It was. That's still a good return, better than Fair. last season. So yeah, we've done well this season. It's just a shame we couldn't get to seven hundred after being over five hundred for the turn of the year. But no, we can't complain too much. Aye, £671.32 pence we finished on, which I think uh, that's our best effort in all the season we've had. Well, yeah. um, previously, in terms of the charity, we've decided we've decided to split the money, uh, but this time, unanimous decision, we've decided to make it one charity, uh, one football-related as well, um, the Chris Mitchell Foundation. Um, for those who don't know much about that, uh, Chris Mitchell, in footballer, um, sadly took his own life, um, and his family have set up a foundation to help raise awareness for mental health. So, I think a, a fine choice um, in terms of charity we've chosen. Yeah, it's as well this season. There's been a lot of talk about mental health in Scottish football as well. So. Yeah, it's certainly been coming to the fore um, a lot in the last few years. I mean, um, obviously there was the Gary Speed situation um, a few years ago, which um, shocked everyone. Um, and the Chris Mitchell, that was just two years ago this month, um, he sadly um, took his own life. He'd not long retired from football um, and obviously just slumped. But hopefully the legacy has is that, um, you know, people you know, start opening out a bit more and we have fewer cases of um, Chris Mitchell in the future definitely um, so thanks again to my bookie as always for your support um, we'll get in touch with them obviously to let them know what we've chosen in terms of charity um, should we start off with the 
the cup game and then talk about the playoff afterwards. Could do. Aye. I'm not a big fan of this making the, the, the Premiership playoff the final game of the season. I prefer the, the cup final being the showpiece. But yeah. aye, that's the way the SPFL done it. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The Scottish Cup final should be the showpiece occasion, um, the final climax to the full season. But um, you've got to fit the playoffs in somehow in the calendar. So maybe that's something to look at going forward. Um, Tuesday, Friday. Tuesday, Friday, we don't. Aye, well. Come on to it later on as well, but it's the same in the junior situation as well. Everyone thinks that the the junior cup final should be the, the showpiece the end of like last match, but it's not the case. Well, other matches still have played. Doesn't help with the pitches in the winter. A few games get called off. True. So may as well over to you, Chris. Celtic, Motherwell. Ah well, I mean going into this game. Going into this game, all the talk was of whether well, Celtic could uh, make history and be the first team to do the, the back-to-back trebles. Uh, and obviously up against the, the same team we played in the, the League Cup final, Uh And to be honest, I thought uh, I, I didn't think it was a, a foregone conclusion. I thought Motherwell were going to be uh, well up for it and give Celtic a, a good game. Uh, causes a few problems. We've obviously had the two draws at Far Park earlier in the season. Uh, the 5-1 at Celtic Park was a bit more one-sided but even the the, the League Cup game Motherwell held their own for, for the first half and the second half and then they gave James Forrest a bit too much space and that got the, the opening goal but um, I think Motherwell have said it themselves they're, they're, they're disappointed with the, the respect they showed to Celtic uh, especially in the first 20 minutes of the game and that pretty much decided the, the Cup final because Celtic were just all over Motherwell for those first 20 minutes uh, we mentioned the Tom Rodgick shot um, earlier on the, the Cal McGregor goal itself was a, a perfect example of just Celtic's fight and willingness to get to the ball first and he beat two two more defenders to it and they cracked it in for the half volley crack strike um, and then oh, there was the then Cham goal not long after that as well took a bit of a nick off Kipri but I think it was uh, a decent enough strike anyway so I mean when 2-0 Midway through the first half, Celtic cruising, you're wondering how many it's going to be. To Motherwell's credit, they came back into the game, organised themselves a bit more, threatened a few times in the more, more so in the second half than the first half. But um, yeah, I think the, 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 they're disappointed in themselves, and there was maybe an argument that Celtic just uh, made sure they didn't concede anything rather than pushing us to try and get more goals because there was certainly other efforts, but I don't think it was. Um, there was nothing major to talk about. It was, it was, I almost felt like it was a slight anti-climax, the game itself. I mean, obviously the, the achievement of getting the double treble is, is fantastic and unprecedented in Scottish football. But there was more There was more to it last year because obviously Aberdeen took the lead in the cup final and then Celtic played them back pretty soon and then it was that last minute winner that they only clinched it. So, I mean, this year it was it was 2-0 and then Celtic kind of cruised away to the rest of it. It's the only real trouble... Celtic really had for Motherwell was when um, Boyata was booked for tugging back and then the, the free kick hit the bar. I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought the referee got that one right with the yellow card. I know some would suggest oh, it was yeah, a red card. Yeah, because Tierney's covering. Yeah. Aye, I thought Tierney was getting the everyone heard us, so I think uh, that was probably the right decision. But I, I don't think there was any contentious decisions from the, the referee. He was maybe slightly lenient at times, but um, obviously there's been talk about Motherwell 
being a bit physical at times, but I don't think it was even too much of that in this game. I thought it was a, a well-contested game, and just, if Motherwood had maybe started a bit better, it could have been a closer game, but in the end, that was the the first 20 minutes that really decided it. I, I would imagine, in terms of team talk from Robinson, he was going to probably think, I go out with high intensity and try and press Celtic, pressure them, but at the same time, Rodgers probably was saying similar in terms of whether we're going to come out here probably all guns blazing we need a match there intensity so they just get straight into it all, all guns blazing without the F word in the middle there what was that? <laughs> did you catch the, the, the BBC coverage uh, at half time Alex uh, McLeish the Scotland manager was discussing how Celtic had come out all guns effing blazing <laughs> on BBC telly at oh. like 4 o'clock <laughs> Dear, I missed that. <laughs> oh, you need, you need to find a video on Twitter. He almost catches himself doing it, but not quite, so it still comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'll need to have, need to have a look at that. Yeah, I think I think the, the game was um, Celtic season in the microcosm. They basically played when they needed to, and they did so in the first 20 minutes. They just um, thought, let's get this game um, over and done with as quick as we can. And then I think after after that they, they took their foot off the gas mother of credit you know got you know held their own for the rest of the game but they didn't start well enough but I think a lot of that was to do with Celtic's intensity and the bottom line is um, I know Celtic haven't been anywhere near as good as they were last season but in the big games when they've had to, to turn up nobody's been um, nobody could get close to them you know it was proven in the, the Rangers games and the Aberdeen games especially and yeah. in that first 20-25 minutes Celtic just blew mother away and I think if they'd played with the same intensity, it could well have been more. Um, but but Motherwell did well to you know keep the score keep the score down. They got a couple of chances very late on with the free kick hit the bar and the Chris Cadden header, which went not far wide. If um, I can't remember who was at the back post, but if they were in a bit quicker, they might have got the tap in. But I think if Motherwell got one back, Celtic just got one at the other end, and they could have easily added to the two that they got. But it was a as you say, Chris, it was an anticlimax of a game and. Um, from a neutral point of view, it was a bit disappointing to see the final end like that, but you're not obviously caring because your team got the double treble. And at the third attempt for a, a Scottish club going for double treble, it finally happened for someone. Yeah, I mean, uh, Aberdeen obviously stopped Jock Steen's Celtic in 1970, and Dundee United stopped Watersworth Rangers in 94. Uh, so, yeah, third, third attempt, finally made it. I mean, it's only been possible since 1947, I think. League Cup final was, was brought in. I think they're saying sports as well. There's only two clubs in Europe that admire it PSG and Welsh team. TNS, I think it was, wasn't it? So, yeah, and it, it was both recently. It was like both of them done it the same year, like yeah. three years ago or something. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's so infrequent. So, and, uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, the, the, the thing I've been pointing out to quite a few people is although this is the first time the double treble has been done, the record is still held by Watersmith Rangers for consecutive trophies won because they did it over three seasons, they won seven because they won the 91 Scottish Cup final after winning the league that year they won the treble in 92 and 93 and then won the league cup and league in 93-94 so that should be uh, Celtic's next target you would think if they can win the league cup next season then they would do that, obviously they're going for uh, the 8th league title in a row try to keep that run going and then the, uh, there's another uh, target for Celtic next season because they've never won three Scottish Cups in a row in their entire history 
Well, hopefully Aberdeen will stop that next season because we're long overdue one. But uh, you, you guys stopped it the last time we had it, I think. We had the, the we got that in nineteen ninety, yeah, nineteen ninety, because we won it in eighty nine. Um, the other times we've won like uh, two league or two Scottish Cups in a row. I think it was two thousand four and then two thousand five, and then Clyde knocked us out in two thousand six. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's it's never been done in Celtic history. I always maintain it's due to the Hamden riot in nineteen oh nine because he'd won the first two. <laughs> it's been jinxed ever since. So yeah, I mean, so if Celtic were to hit all those targets, it would be a treble, treble. <laughs> well, Aber- Aberdeen have won treble Scottish Cups, um, eighty-two, eighty-three, eighty-four. So, yeah, you might, you might get there and um, be there with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen Thompson of Sports Scene last night was reckoning that uh, if Celtic are going to drop in, it'll be the League Cup. So, uh, if that happened, then Rangers would keep their seven consecutive trophies in a row. Yeah, uh, odds on. I think it's something like six to one. For, for the for the treble treble, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty silly. I mean, I, I can understand it because there is that golf and money, but football's more about it, it, football's not just about money. There is always that chance that somebody can beat Celtic in a one-off game, especially in, in, in the cups. To, to stop Celtic winning the league is a bit harder because you've got to do it over the thirty-eight games. But in a cup competition, it just takes one performance. The, the, as you say earlier though I mean it's it's very few and far between that Celtic drop performance when they need to um, I mean this season the only one I can think of is a, the Hibs game when they could have clinched the league that was the one and only time I remember uh, Celtic just not performing on a day they really should have performed and all that did was set up the the game against Rangers the following week which was I mean you, you talk about the this game being a bit of Celtic's game in a, a microcosm because they, they did what they needed to and they took their foot off I guess they did that against Rangers in that game as well they went 5 0 up just after half time and then stopped. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but it's interesting that uh, Stephen Thompson says that the one Celtic sort of drop is the League Cup. Um, there's also this perception that Celtic will just play their reserves. But apart from the game against Command that he won 5 0, and even then, like Sakir and Tierney was still playing, um, Celtic generally play their best team in yeah. all the competitions. And it's the same for every Scottish. You know, we're, we're not our compatriots down south who who play reserve teams in the FA Cup hoping to get put in the third round so they can finish 17th in the Premier League and things like that. Um, you know, the, the teams up here treat the both competitions seriously and that's what makes them um, so refreshing. Whereas, um, you know, that we say the Celtic game is a bit of a night in the climax, but it was far more interesting than that shambles of an FA Cup final. It was a terrible game. In fact, the highlight for me was falling asleep and missing 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, I, I thought the best bit of that game was the the fact that the commentators didn't understand why it wasn't a red card for the penalty. Because you haven't learned that rule all season. That it's no longer, if you try to make a genuine attempt to get the ball, it's not a red card, it's a yellow card. So, yeah, I, was, I, I can't believe they haven't learned that by now. I hope they learn it for the World Cup, because we're going to get the, the BBC and ITV commentaries for that. So, yeah. fingers crossed. Please have done some Celtic's point of view as well, Tom Rodgers, five years. Yeah, the fact your deal up was absolutely brilliant news to get through the week. Um, it, it, it was really annoying because like the day before there'd been a few people retweeting a fake account saying Roger was signing a five-year deal. But then obviously the news came from the official tweet, uh, Twitter feed the following day and I was thinking, I briefly thought they were at the wind-up <laughs> and it was that, that fake account again. But no, it was uh, a real real deal. So Roger got another five years. Um, he never finished the game. Uh, the cup final this season, but uh, 
It was pointed out to me at the weekend there that the project when he got the, the winner last season actually came on for Kieran Tierney. I'd completely forgot about the fact he hadn't started. Ah, he doesn't complete 90 minutes often. No. No, but he does make an impact. I mean, he scored in every Rangers game he played this season. That was four out of five. Um, he's, he's obviously scored some, some big game goals in the last season as well. With, with the, the winner against Motherwell. Even uh, under Ronnie Dyla, he did, was the one that he scored down at uh, Rugby Park. And kind of the last minute when it looked like we were going to drop more points again and maybe Aberdeen could bear me a shot of catching us. And then he fired that in and it was pretty much... Playing Salem from there on. So, yeah, he, he, he's one of the, the big game players, as is Carl McGregor. I mean, Carl McGregor scored in every single tour that we played in this season, all five of them. Yeah, he's pretty smart, hasn't he, in the last couple of seasons? He has done, yeah. I mean, um, I would be very surprised if Alec McLeish doesn't uh, utilise him in the, the next Scotland campaign, because obviously he never really quite broke into the team under Gordon Strachan, but if Alec McLeish leaves him out, he's mad. I think the signs are McLeish will use him um, a lot. I know he's obviously left him out of this next squad, but he left out quite a few Celtic players um, for the reason they've yeah. had so many games. But the game against Hungary, they had him, McGinn, and uh, oh, I can't remember who the other one was in midfield now. Um, oh, Armstrong? Yeah, sorry, it was Armstrong, yeah. Um, so I think McGregor will feature more prominently in this Scotland squad. Um you know, he's really come on. Uh, it's amazing the improvement in him, because um, he was he was a Celtic fans' boo boy at one point. Um, you know, it tends to happen. You know, them fans tend to pick on the local lad who's not particularly playing particularly well. Um, but McGregor's really come on under um, Rogers, and uh, you know, so many big games and so many big goals he scored. He's, and he's the way he took his strike there with his weaker foot. He's right for yeah. it. was a terrific strike and um, a fitting way to um, win a cup final. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the, the local boys, obviously, um, James Forrest, another one who's had a, a terrific season this season. Mm-hmm. He was he, he was always one that was a, a bit of a target for the the, the, the boo boys. I wouldn't say boo boys. It's, the, 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 people that are quick to jump to criticise uh, certain players, especially like the homegrown players uh, for some reasons, you don't seem to get much leeway, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Cal McGregor a couple of years ago was he, he was. I remember him scoring like plenty of goals away from home for Celtic in Europe, but uh, there was some chances he missed as well. But it was one even last season uh, against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach that he, he got a bit of criticism for. But yeah, he's he's he's, he's taking the, the criticism on board. He's improving his game all the time, and he's becoming one of the the big players for Celtic which is, is good to see and hopefully become a big player for Scotland in the coming years he adapts well as well he's quite versatile like when he plays he does well you see him sometimes coming at left back yeah left wing back centre mid out wide so yeah really impressive and Cham the boy who scored the, the second goal I mean he's really come into his game as well I mean he took his he took his time settling you know, I know a couple of Celtic fans who thought he wasn't up to it and I always said I think he'll come good over time and he has shown his quality and maybe he'll come on even more in next season Champions League um, and Celtic is going to need him to because they've just got the eight games to go through before they even get yeah. it this time eight games in eight midweeks consecutive if you want to make it all about the Champions League group stages um, and if you drop out in any of them you go into a, 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 a sort of segregated Europa League qualifying section for Champions League dropouts 
So even if they drop out of the Champions League qualifying, they'll still be playing champions in other countries in the qualifying. Which is, I thought was an interesting change. At least you're seeded all the way through, which gives you half a chance. Yeah, yeah, half a chance. It's not seeding's not always a guarantee of getting through things. Yeah. So we're going to need to be on it. I think we've got. I think we're back mid June, so we've got what, four weeks off or something. We're talking about. So you can put some watch some in the World Cup, but uh, they'll be back fairly soon. Of course, that's the other problem that Celtic have. But a lot of these players are away to the World Cup. You'd imagine Lustig will be there with Sweden. Uh, you mentioned Roger Kelly, who'll be there with Australia. Um, trying to think who else we've got that's actually going to the World Cup I suppose this is where, this is where the benefit of having a, quite a strong squad of Scottish players helps because <laughs> McGregor's not going anywhere and Gordon's not going anywhere and Tierney's not going anywhere you know aye uh, Forrest Brown <laughs> it's not bad it's, but, aye it's, there are key players in there that are going to be um, away I was going to say Gamboa is probably another one for Costa Rica but I haven't he barely features for anybody these days yeah, I think, he got, I think he got to a lot of during the season at some point, and he wasn't even injured. Aye. <laughs> uh, in terms of Celtic winning as well, obviously Hibs, they now uh, know that they're playing in Europe as well. Hibs uh, and Rangers will obviously start the same week as what Celtic do. Yeah. Um, Aberdeen get an extra two weeks off, probably maybe a week. I'd imagine it would be a week difference in terms of the matches going back yeah. to training. I hadn't realised that there was a, a, a one of the, the three Europa League representatives got a a bite the the second round. So I'm, ass, I'm I'm assuming you guys are just as happy that Celtic won the cup as as Hibs are. I wouldn't say just as happy, but aye, Hibs terms of getting a wee bit extra rest. Yeah, uh, gives us gives, gives you longer to get players in. Because what ideally you want your players in early, get them settled in. It's difficult in the summer. And it starts so early to try and get new players integrated, especially if you're maybe making quite a few signings. And the like of who it is, you maybe go over try and test it and then try and bed them in later on. But Aberdeen again, we want to try and get past this third qualifying round. Yeah. Uh, maybe a chance again to group stages, but I think it's hard every year. Um, yeah. Usually we are playing our first European tie before um, the quarter-final major competition. Um, in 2014 we played before the 2014 World Cup and same in Euro 2016. But they've changed the dates this time. Um, but fortunately we've gone to the second stage. Interestingly, Boyata's um, been named in the Belgium squad, Chris, so that's another one you're without. Um, uh, so yep. it'll be Jack Kendry, I'd imagine, and uh, Ayer or... Well, this comper if he exists still, because he played in the Morton, <laughs> he played in the Morton game, and then just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, so he played his part in the Scottish Cup one, I suppose. Then. <laughs> it's probably an level Celtic to try to sign someone, I would think. Yeah, I think I'm interested to see what Celtic do, because um, obviously you say we need to get players in early as possible, but on the other side of the coin, there's going to be players that are hanging about with the World Cup waiting to see if they can get a big move. So it's it's kind of. Fine line here. You had someone in, and then he's went back to Chelsea, <laughs> Masonda. Yeah, it's a funny one. That it's almost like it was well agreed, and he seems to have gone away in good terms. But um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Again, like you say, Compos another one. It's, it's, it's a, the January transfer window. Which we're always so keen to point out it was quite important for Celtic to get players bedded in to then hit the ground running for the Champions League qualifiers. Has been a bit of a washout this year because we haven't really done much. Yeah. Henry's uh, the other uh, name in there, and um, Scott Bain, who we brought in loan, has obviously signed the, the, the deal. You'd imagine he'll 
with backup, um, unless Craig Gordon's knee's still really dodgy. Um, there's, there's a bit of concern over that one. It was earlier today as well. He's going to be out for a few weeks. And Ollie Griffiths is going for some minor off as well. Yeah, you might even think Ben's ask a cap, a cap player by the time the season starts as well. Because he's yeah. for Scotland and plays a McGregor. Yep, could be. Um, in terms of domestic play, though, we'll talk about how early Europe starts. Um, the Betfred Cup, the draw is on Friday. <laughs> so we've just finished season and then I'll start having the draw on Friday. It starts the weekend, the Saturday, July the 14th. And interestingly enough, the Cup final this year will be in December. Oh, it's a bit later then. It's just in December then. So it's, it's obviously been sort of the end of November the last couple of years. So. Uh, I do I do prefer it this side of Christmas, but um, it's obviously that darker cup, cup final. But it's, I, I, do, I like it. Like, there's one cup final on one side, the Christmas one, obviously at the end of the season as well. So. It's obviously had so to it fact- boy. Yeah, it's obviously had to factor in the, the fact that August, every week in August, it's European qualifiers all the way, so obviously um, you can't play the knockout stages in August whilst um, ourselves, potentially sell, um, potential sales to potential Rangers, are all playing European fixtures. Um, yeah. So, um, and none of the teams want to play out their their kids in those competitions. You want to take them seriously. Yeah. The second round, so by the time the big boys come in, is August eighteenth. So. Oh, it's a Saturday, that's right, I remember reading about that, actually. Oh, I didn't realise it was a Saturday. Yeah, again, that's because yeah. of the league games. Um, so you'll have uh, Cove Rangers and Spartans included as well in the group stages. Yeah, that's probably the one disappointing aspect of the, the playoffs for me, was that uh, Cowden Beast survived again. I still don't like the fact you get the Doug's chance. You should just get straight relegation. I know I say this every year, but... Uh, Aye, I mean, fair play to Cowden Beast, uh, they earned their place with, with the, the way things are set up. But um, the other three playoffs all turned out, uh, team coming up. It's worked well. Aye, it has worked well, mostly, the playoffs this year. I, I caught the end of the second leg of the uh, dumbarton Alloa game. When Dumbarton were battling the, the goal, trying to get that equaliser, and they got it in the injury time, and then obviously get the winner next time. So that was, that was quite entertaining, BBC Elba. Uh, it may as well be on the playoff, yeah. obviously. Uh, Lovey and Partick Thistle. And most folk, I think, thought Partick Thistle would win. Um, we ran a poll on the podcast account on Twitter. I think it was 70% of folk thought Partick Thistle would win. But Livingston did it. Got the job done. Um, defied the odds once again. The podcast, we did an interview where I think it was trying to it was. Alex, uh, Neil Alexander. He was saying their target this year was to avoid getting relegated. And then as things progressed, they were like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we can get in the playoffs. Then they finished second, and then here we are. Uh, they'll be playing Premiership football that season. Third lowest budget in the Championship. Um, only Dumbarton and Brecon, who both also went down, had a lower budget in Livingston. I think their budget was uh, 250000 for the year. Um, and they've managed to defy everyone. Um, I know people criticise their, their tactics, but it's effective. It gets the job done for them. Then the day it's up to opposition to break them down. And other than 10 minutes in the first leg, Partick did absolutely nothing over the two games. Um, 
to to suggest that they were ever good enough to to stay up and it just summed up their season real lacking in front of goal um, defensively there were, there were issues and Livingston did what they had to do two very good victories and um, thoroughly deserved their place in the Premier League do you know what? It was two victories. It wasn't. It wasn't as if it was just the, the aggregate scoreline was in their favour, and they did spend most of the game defending. They won both games. Yeah, and all that loving are getting criticised, right? I would say all they're doing is playing football. They're basically, mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing things. Get your probably talking about LA's press, make things difficult for the opposition, make the most of set pieces. Every goal they scored in the playoffs was off a throw. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so defending from Partick Thistle was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean in the second like the Jacobs goal, um it's something basic like Chris Erskine was marking Jacobs and then just totally switches off, watches the ball, and next thing Jacobs pops off at the edge area. Um He's only scored three goals this season, Keegan Jacobs. The first was against Partick in the League Cup group stages. His second was in the first leg of this playoff. And his third was the promotion clincher against Thistle. So they'd be glad to see the back of him. He played with him, he played with him in the bottom league as well. So he's gone, he's gone right up the league with him. Because mm-hmm. they've... Well, I mean, obviously a team that have been a bit... Uh, yo-yo, they've had extreme highs, extreme lows. Not so long ago, they won the Cup. I'll never, I'll never forget the year that they went in administration whilst being sponsored by Intelligent Finance. <laughs> and then, and then that's when they won the league cup as well. That's right. <laughs> Only in Scottish football do you get a story like that. I know. The, the other part of that story was the fact that um, Hibs in the previous two rounds had knocked Celtic out and then Rangers. Out. That's right. <laughs> so they were expected to win the cup for their Livingston instead. <laughs> So it just, just goes to show that uh, anybody can do it in a day. Yeah. It's good to see you know, the likes of Alexander uh, get a, a chance at a top flight again. And Lee Miller. Lee Miller was discarded by Falkirk. Uh, Livingston picked him up in their ease. He was terrific in the first leg. Clear black eye that was sporting as well in the second leg. <laughs> I like Bruiser. Yeah. <laughs> it was doubtful for the second leg as well. They've got a small squad, Livingston. They, they, they could only actually name six players on the bench for the second leg. So it's good for the likes of these guys. We bit of experience. And they'll obviously want to add players in the summer. We would probably more experience because there's not many players in that squad that have got experience of playing in the top fight. Yeah. I think the the, the other side of this coin is they're likely to be the favourites for the drop next season. Um because they will probably still have that small budget. Uh, everybody likes to pick Hamilton as a, a tip for going down, but they seem to hit stay up every season, so I think they might actually have genuine competition for who might be favourite to go down this time. Yeah, you'd imagine it would be Livingston, um, regardless of who they bring in, unless um, they found another rich owner to somehow bankroll them. But I'd like to think Livingston have learned the lessons from their previous mistakes because they were twice administration and weren't far away yeah. from it a few years ago. Um, but the biggest um, thing that they've got to make sure is that David Tolkien's still their manager because um, he's out of contract now and the native. He's been linked with other jobs. I think someone mentioned Carlisle were in from. I hope he doesn't go down to Carlisle um, and run away from the first crack at the Scottish Premiership. I think he will stay, but it's something that Livingston that he sought out first. Because if he's not their manager, then it'll be even harder for him, I think. Because he's done a tremendous job in the last two years. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, like you, you, you say that the, they've been administration twice, and the second time they got hit by administration, they were actually kicked down to the bottom division. So they've had to fight their way back up for the, the bottom rung, which is um, obviously they've done it in two consecutive promotions in the last couple of years, but the, it's, all, it's been a long way back for them. So fair play to them. Yeah. With Bobkin's interviewed after the game, he did seem to suggest he might be there next year, uh, but he did say as well he'd still be quite prudent in terms of what he does in terms of getting players in. So, yeah, I don't think you have much option. I think you'll have to be prudent. So, yeah, I'd imagine they'll pick up a few players who have been released by top flight clubs, um, and you know, get some of them in and try and pick up the loan market. I mean, they might look at Ryan Hardy again because you know, he did a good job from before he broke his leg. Um, so, if you know if he gets fit, they'll be looking to get him back. I'd imagine. Um, but Thompson, Thompson got released by Rangers. He's been on loan at Livingston, so you imagine again mm-hmm. he would maybe go there. Yeah. yeah maybe players on Partick Thistle. <laughs> I don't know um, what many players on Partick Thistle um, they'd want to pick up in the basis of this season. It's been a shocking season for them. I mean, after being the top six last season. Um, I mean, even you said up to a few weeks ago that you still thought they'd be all right, but um, and you'd have thought so with some of the players that they've had, like the Spittle and Erskine and Dulamy's goals, and you thought there'd be more come from Mel's story and Connor Salmon. Sam had a wee period where he was going well, but it, he then um, that drifted off pretty quickly. But it's just not happened for them at all all season. They were the lowest scores in the league, only Hamilton conceded more goals than them. Um, it's just been a disastrous season and you just got to wonder what's going to happen with Alan Archibald because a year ago he was one of four nominees for manager year and now he's a relegated manager yeah and the, the funny thing about Partick Thistle is we all know they were capable of putting in a decent performance when they wanted because again we go back to the Scottish Cup run that Celtic had this season the toughest game they had was against Partick Thistle it was a 3-2 win thanks to James Forrest uh, Patrick but when Thistle were up causing problems left, right and centre, especially Conor Salmon. Conor Salmon always seems to have a great game against Celtic. Um, obviously missed the penalty right to the death of the, the second leg there, but I think uh, it was probably going to be too little too late anyway at that point, because like you said, that's never really looked like scoring in that game. Yeah, it was a terrible penalty. Yeah, it was a very short run-up. Um, never confident when, he, when a player does that and he just no. had the feeling, and Alexander's a player who obviously saved a couple of penalties in the Rangers, Rangers UEFA Cup run ten years ago. So he's he's a good penalty um, penalty shot stopper, um, and he did his homework, went the the right way, and produced a save that sealed the deal. The thing as well with that, so is they actually went into the playoffs in all right form. After the spot, they were pretty decent. One, two, drew two, only lost one. So to put in those performances and those two legs, really disappointing. Yeah, they won two and drew two, but one of the games that they drew against Ross County, um, they were in front of that game, and it was dreadful defending that cost them um, two points in that game, and had they won that game, they finished above Hamilton. Um, yeah. So, but that just, but you could pick, pick out a few games throughout the season. I think the main reason Thistle went down was there was two games in February where they were at home to uh, Dundee and away at Hamilton. They led both games and lost them both 2-1. And from there, and you just thought that they were always going to go down. Um, I know that we thought that they might come through the playoff because of recent history. Um, but Livingston ripped up that form book, and as we said before, thoroughly deserved. And even Nalan Archibald said that it was deserved. Yeah, 
struggled for goals all season as well, Partick Thistle. Yeah. Which flies in with mentioned with the players they've got. Uh, and then last season probably what proved to work out well for them. You know, they played three in the back. They're really solid. They went a spell, I think, good few games without conceding a goal as well. But William Lindsay may be the biggest loss that they had, obviously. Yeah, there's no question that they've missed him. Um, um, imagine he'll be a sort after player, even though Barnsley went down. He was one of the better players, so I'd imagine he's um, going to move on from there. I don't know if Thistle have got a um, selling clause in there, but Thistle have definitely missed him big time. But you still thought they had enough quality. But the likes of Spittle's not performed at all. Um, Chris Erskine's not been the same player this season. Um, and Miles Story, I mean, a lot of Aberdeen fans thought that McKenna should have given him a chance. Well, He's been dreadful for Thistle and it's vindicated why um, McInnes was reluctant to pick him. Think Archibald will stay? Maybe. He's, he's obviously, he'll, he'll get a lot of leeway thanks to his top six finish um, last season. But um, I think he might get to start the championship. If they don't start well, he'll be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the fact that what he's done in the last five years, keeping them up. And, uh, apart from, until this season, they were kept up comfortably. Never really involved in a relegation battle. And then last season was the top six. Um, and this is the first bit of um, bad news that they've had under his spell. But So he's probably earned the right to get the first um, six months. But I would imagine after six months, if this are down at fifth or sixth place in the league, which could easily happen because it's a difficult championship next year, um, then I think Archibald might be saying bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, you, you're saying it's, it's a difficult championship next season. I mean, you, you look at the teams that missed out in the, the playoffs this season, you've obviously got the United about to try and bounce up again, Dunfermline were in the playoffs as well, Thistle are coming down, Inverness rallied right at the end and didn't quite make the playoff. Uh, you'd imagine Falkirk under Paul Hartley, they started really badly this season, but they should come back again. Morton, uh, they were in the playoffs the previous season, uh, they've been changing their manager, I don't think MD's been announced yet, but... Um, that should be interesting. Um, you've got Air United coming up again. Um, you've got Alwa coming up. Uh, they might be fighting out in the bottom, but who knows? Queen, Queen of South over the last couple of seasons as well. They've been a, a, a team on that. It's pretty much the entire league I've just named. Yeah. <laughs> so you're basically tipping for that, um, the same as the last time they get relegated into that division, getting relegated again. <laughs> Aye, pretty much. I think, I think the two teams that come up might be the two teams that go back to the league because everybody else might be fighting out at the top. <laughs> The, the good thing from Ayers' point of view, they managed to keep all the Yeah, yeah, he was obviously scoring the goals that uh, brought them up. So, yeah, it's a great sign. Uh, a signing, great uh, retention. It's as good as a new signing, to be fair. Let's face it, because they could have lost them. There was talk that Hearts were um, laning them up, but I don't think Shanklin's good enough to play in the top flight. Um, but I think he's a good championship to League One striker. Um, but he's obviously done very well in League One last season, and it's a good sign, uh, re-signing by air, so to speak. He's still pretty, he's still he's still a young guy though. Like, so maybe. Yeah, no, but I remember um, Dennis Wyness, um when he left us to go to Inverness. He was scoring goals for fun. Came up to the top flight with Hearts and couldn't quite cut it. Um, so I see similarities, but. He could well come up into top flight at some point in his career and prove prove a lot of people wrong. I mean, he was a tried at Aberdeen, but it seemed like the harder he tried, the worse he got. But I think 
bottom line was um, for all his effort he wasn't good enough and that's why we let him go but it's good to see him do well for himself so what's your highlight of the season John? Um, from an Aberdeen point of view um, I think it's got to be beating Celtic the last game of the season to get second because it was the first time we'd beaten Celtic um, in a league game at Parkhead since October 2004 Um, as we discussed last week it's been a weird season for Aberdeen um, because there was also disappointment in the two cup games the the European defeat the performances against Rangers um, yet somehow we still finished second you're only three points behind it you finished with last season, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. just just the three yeah. points up, um, worse off than last year. So and we had fewer defeats, but we scored less goals. Yeah, and only nine points off the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, single figures. Is that as close as you've been? I can't remember. That's, that's, the, last. that's the closest we've been because I think the previous yeah. times it was fifteen and seventeen, and then obviously thirty last season. Yeah, yeah. So down to single figures. That's a. It's a good return. I mean, obviously, a lot of that's to do with Celtic being paid back. But I get. I mean, there's obviously the talk about how oh, Celtic haven't done quite as well as they did last season. Because how do you top only dropping four points in four games? Um, the invincible treble. But I think a lot of that's down to the fact that the, the league has been a lot more competitive. I mean, obviously, all the talk about Steve Clark at Kilmarnock is uh, what he's done there has been phenomenal. They, they, they were taking points off Celtic Rangers, obviously. Aberdeen with a bogey team, but uh, certainly they've done well there. Hibs have obviously come up for the, the championship and they were three points behind Rangers and six points behind ourselves. So it was a, it was a good tussle there, almost right to the end of the, the season. Just Hibs slotting up against Hearts, kind of ruined that final day, but um, <laughs> the five each game. Easter <laughs> uh, Road at the end of the season, though, was just. Ridiculous, but um, yeah, I, I mean, even then, you, you look at the, the likes of uh, Hearts with the team that stopped Celtic's uh, unbeaten run eventually at 69. <laughs> <laughs> still, still my favourite joke of the season. What do you expect after a 69? A good pumping. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the that. They, they making that tank ass or fortress once you get back there, that obviously made a big difference. It'll be interesting to see how they go on next season with the race strength. And, uh, we mentioned again, Motherwell, they'll be looking to push on for their, their two-cup final of the season and finishing top of the bottom six. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what St. Johnson can do. They've obviously lost Steve McLean to Hearts. He's away, but um, they'll need to, probably need to refresh, I think. They might be in trouble if they don't. This is the first season in the ages that they've not been top six. Um, Dundee, I'll grudgingly give credit to Neil McCann. They did at least get them enough decent performances in there that they could stay up but um, again it'll be interesting to see what they do next season got Livingston coming up Hamilton coming up St Mirren coming up they'll be the, the, the three favourites for the, the drop I'd imagine but I think St Mirren might shock a few people especially if they can hang out Jack Ross What's your highlight of season John? The Avengers are Scott McKenna Yeah I agree with that and I, the, the one in the final day of the season. And the performance against Sibs, 4-1 game. I think as well as you mentioned, the, the season was slightly frustrating, but it's been a slight season of transition for the players we've lost. It's going to be difficult again next year, because um, Rangers are obviously going to be, be heavily backed with 
Gerard. Hamza, I expect will improve. I expect Hearts could be better than what they've been. By the way, I think it'll be no problem with the league will be even more competitive that season. But yeah. as mentioned last week, Celtic are expect to push on again. Um, in terms of what they bring in, might just be a case of maybe them just bringing in one or two. But I think those one or two will probably be um, one or two that's going to hit the first team starting lineup as opposed to um, squad fillers. Yeah, I think like obviously Celtic will be looking to get back to the Champions League again. If they can get back to the Champions League again, they'll also be wanting to do a bit better than they have the last couple of seasons. So to do that, they're going to need to bring in players of quality that go straight into the first team, not just squad players. Uh, and we're going to struggle with, with, with some of the players that are going because we're obviously Patrick Roberts has been there two and a half years now. <laughs> no, it's all been alone. He's away. Mishlander was expected to be the replacement for him and he'll be away. Uh, there's going to be that speculation over Dembele as to whether he goes or not. I hope not, because I think Dembele could do another season at Celtic after being injured this one. Um, there'll be the question around Stuart Armstrong again, uh, whether he's going to hang about or not. There's the speculation of linking Kieran Tierney will move away, but I don't see him going anywhere. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we do with goalkeepers, if Craig Gordon does still have dodgy knees, or if he's alright, or if, if we Bain just needs a backup. Um, the centre of defence is the, the, the place that you can imagine Celtic are going to struggle the most because all the rumours I've heard is Seminovich went away and Boyata might go or he might stay and Comper was brought in hasn't really done anything and Lustig about the World Cup and we don't know how much longer he's got to be fit and I could really do with Kieran Tierney getting a bit of cover so he doesn't have to play every single game um, so there could be a lot of changes in the defence at Celtic I think the the midfield is probably the strongest part of Celtic still because Brown and Jam, McGregor, Rogic, um as far as I know, Sinclair's happy, so he's probably going to stay. James Forrest, there's a, there's a good core there, certainly, but um, it'll be interesting to see. The other question is whether we get Odds and Edward as a permanent uh, purchase because he was obviously unlucky to get injured in the last couple of weeks of the season. Might have done well in the, the cup final himself. But um, from what I was hearing, the, the manager was, was talking to his representatives recently. So I think he wants to stay and Celtic want him to stay. So I think that could be one of the deals we see going through. And that's going to cost a, a fair bit of money in the first place. So he might be one of the signings we make. I think I think defence is going to be the other place we're going to be strengthening. I think you have to strengthen the defence, um, especially for the Champions League, um, going on last season's evidence, because... Um, whilst Bayouta is a good um, defender at our level um, in the Champions League he's been found wanting um, Semyonovic has been pretty shocking to be perfectly honest at, at the back and that's why he's been dropped um, yeah. so I don't think he'll be a massive loss to Celtic um, now, he's a good defender when he's on his game but he's injury prone and at the Champions League level there's question marks over him and Chris Fryer's still young so you need someone you need a proper centre half to come in but then how much are Celtic prepared to spend to get the quality in? I know they've got plenty of money in the bank. I think it's what thirty odd million plus this season's Champions League money. Um, yeah. But they also can't. They've they've got that money for a good reason because they've been very prudent with their finances in recent years. Um, so they're going to have to hunt for a very good bargain. Look, like, is there another Van Dyke type player can pick up for two million said for thirteen? <laughs> yeah, this this is where you hope that the the scouting network does its job because. I mean, it's going to be very hard to pick up anybody at the World Cup, I'd imagine, because anybody that has a good World Cup is going to go for mega bucks and will be completely placed at a like, Celtic's range, not mean to the rest of Scottish football. Yeah. I see you, Might want to add a wee bit of extra creativity. 
top-end player. Uh, uh, maybe because we were we kind of missed that with all the injuries we had in the middle of the season. Just it was it was just uh, not quite not quite enough quality going through. Um, so possibly that might be what we were looking at midfield. But I think the chances are there's other areas of the park that we're going to look to strengthen more than we do that. Because if, I mean, if if we could hang on to Armstrong for another season, that might be good. Um, getting McGregor more game time that obviously makes a bit of a difference as well. Um, Rodrigo being fit would make a difference. So yeah, that's certainly that, there's there's options there. So I think I think you're right. We, we could do with more quality in, in the middle of the park just for for creating chances. But um, I think there's other locations within the park we need to strengthen first. Yeah. Plus, well, you I'm, get Christie coming back. A I don't see Christie getting into that team. I know he's been good for our yeah, team, yeah. but I don't see him. I don't see where he fits. In fact, I mean, he's not the only one. It's own, obviously. Chief G's coming back. I don't see him fitting in anywhere. And um, we've got Scott Allen. He's at own. Um, I don't see him fitting in anywhere. I just, it's, we seem to be using the loan system to get players out that we don't want hanging about more than else at the moment, which is a bit of a shame because it does work. I mean, McGregor's a perfect example of how the how the loan systems work can can work in your favour. Because he went down to Notts County for a season and and came back. Obviously, Notts County is not exactly a great level, but you came back with a lot of experience and it's made a difference for him. It doesn't always work, of course, but um, there are those uh, examples. What's been your highlight, Chris? I, I don't know. <laughs> this, I feel like I should say winning the double treble, but... <laughs> It's like I said earlier, it was the, the the manner in which it was won is a bit of an anti-climb, but it's just it's maybe I've just been spoiled by the the, the late winners and cup finals in the last few years. Because <laughs> it's always as if it was just Roger goal. It was like the previous season you had the, the David Gray winner, the Hibs, and then um, St Johnson's second goal at Celtic Park and they won the cup, and that was pretty late on. So they won the game two 0 in like the first twenty minutes as if it, <laughs> it just it just wasn't quite that same spark as it had been. Um, so obviously that obviously that achievement is a, a terrific achievement and it's historic and uh, I can't wait to take it away and all credit this for that. But um, I think I think my highlight might have been thumping Anderlecht in, over in Belgium because that was one. Of, I mean that was a game that we won three 0 and I don't think we were even particularly good that day, but we still absolutely gobbled them away from home, which is a rare occasion for Celtic in Europe. So that might be my highlight. It's either that or thumping Rangers five 0 It might not be the same as uh, Rangers of a few years ago, but it's the same fans, and they must be. They must have hated every minute of that. Because I remember being at a, a few, the end of a few hidings off the Rangers teams in the past, and it's not a good feeling. No point did we ever get thumped five 0 after about fifty minutes. If there's one guarantee with you in the podcast, Chris, is you're always going to mention the Tom Rogic goal against Aberdeen at least three times in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done it again tonight. <laughs> yep. Tom Rogic bleeper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, what was my highlight of this season? That goal at the end of last season. <laughs> Anything else? As has Armstrong, 
I think that'll oh, be it. Two games. I don't see him calling up anybody else at this point in time. When's the games exactly? Next Wednesday, the thirtieth, and the second, which is next Saturday. Right, and I'll like sort of one and two in the morning for what I remember sports team were saying, so I don't see me staying up to watch either, to be honest. Yeah, likewise. I mean, at least we're guaranteed that um, it'll be a new goalkeeper um, in both games because none of the three goalkeepers that are in have been called up because Rangers new signing McGregor um, withdrew so Scott Bain came in, and then obviously we've got Jordan Archer and uh, I'm terrible in it. Who was the other goalkeeper? Oh, McLaughlin. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because for some reason we didn't use them in the two friendlies before, but at least this time they'll get a call up and um, they'll get one of them, at least they'll get a cap. It'd be good to see McGee get a chance. Yeah. Aye, I think he would have played in the last game, or one of the last two games, but he obviously got injured. Um, but that's what the, we've discussed it many a times. You know, this is what the friendlies are for trying these new guys um, and get them integrated into the squad because. You know we're going to need these players in the the, the Nations League and the um, the European Championship qualifying. So it's good to get them in now for these two friendlies and the friendlies before it, and hopefully we'll build some sort of um, good squad out it. The worry still up front because Officer Griffiths is is not there. He was rested anyway and has this operation. Um, it's, yep. You no, know, so Matt Phillips, you imagine, is going to be the main striker. And he's not a striker, but he did well in the game against Hungary. Um, that maybe McBurney will have another chance to show what he can do. Um, we'll need to wait and see. But hopefully um, we'll be able to find some strikers over the next couple of years. Um, I know Malcolm McKay was talking a lot about that in Sports Sound recently. Because um, they, they had a, they had a few... They had Henrik Larson and Kenny Douglas and a couple of others. Eric Black was another one um, doing a striking coaching course. So they're hoping that that can be an inspiration for future generations yeah well, we, we seem to be really unfortunate and all our best players are left backs <laughs> yeah because I'm a big fan of Kieran Dearney and I think he's a, a terrific player but we also have Andy Robertson who's going to be playing the Champions League final in the last week so see if we get a look in But yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that, we, that that's where the, we've got all the strengths. And what we, I mean, in previous years, our strengths, we've had about three decent goalkeepers. Um, we've still got decent goalkeepers, but it's not, I don't think it's quite as strong as it was a few years ago. But uh, yeah, we, we just, we've got nothing up front other than Griffiths. And Griffiths hasn't been great recently either. So whether that's the injury he's been carrying or not, I don't know. Hope that's all it was. Um, and he can get back to form next season in, in time for the Scotland games. Yeah. Because Cummins was a big disappointment at Rangers. I mean, I thought he'd come up here and score a few goals for them, but that didn't happen. He barely featured for them. Um, he's not set ahead in fact, not in the force, which is why they sent him out in the first place. So God knows what's going to happen to him. He's been linked with a return to Rangers, but um, is he going to get in ahead of Jermaine Defoe, who they're going to bring up after, um, even though he's 120 grand a week at Bournemouth? Um, <laughs> we'll wait and see. There has been some fun... There's been some fun rumours since uh, Stephen Gerrard took that job. So uh, we'll, we'll see what the summer brings at Rangers. Um, I honestly have no idea how that's going to work out because I mean, you, you've got a guy who has been terrific for Liverpool coming up to manage in Scotland. He could be a Graeme Souness. He could be a John Barnes. Who knows? So that'll be a wait and see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a gamble for Rangers. So um, it might be a gamble that pays off. Who knows? 
I don't see him signing as a lane to four, though. But no. Stranger things have happened. I suppose it depends. Maybe some of these guys might want to experience old Tom. I suppose that'll be the draw for them. Yeah, but there's experience in it in, in, in a good way, and then there's doing what Joey Barton did. I seen Scott Arfield saying he learned for the mistakes that Joey Barton made. I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> don't blame him. But I, I mean, I think like, Scott Arfield will probably know about better because he's at least played up here before. Yeah, he'll know what takes place. He's a Rangers fan and he's not got a big ego like um, Joey Barton. So yeah. I think he'll do all right up here. Um, I think Murphy's a good signing for them as well. Um, McGregor. Yeah, he, did, he never. I don't think Murphy did much against Celtic when he played, but certainly he was doing a lot in, in other games. Um, yeah, I mean, Scott Arfield about a good signing, I think. Um, I haven't really seen him much since he's went down south, but obviously I remember watching him when he played for Falkirk. He was a decent player then. So, um, so yeah, I think that'll be a, a good signing for Rangers. Yeah. Uh, so, move on. The other team I like, up like to Albert, uh, still in the hunt for the double. They could have won the league on Saturday, but lost 2 1 at home at Pollock. So in terms of the league, it will go to the last day of the season and they can win the league against local rivals Cumnock. Nice! <laughs> that will be a, an interesting encounter. Basically, tell what a point ahead of Beef. Beef have got a better goal difference than Beef played Gurfin. So I would say tell what need to win because Gurfin are one of the lost teams in the Formula League. Where, so, where's the game? Is it, is it home for Talbot? Is that way? Okay. Oh, it's even better. <laughs> Aye, be interesting. But before that, uh, this Sunday we played the cup final against Halford, so hopefully I can get uh, the first part of the double there. Um, five past four kick off, it's a rugby park again. Of course. Uh, I've got BBC Alba, so fingers crossed, usually a good day as well. Sunshine always seems to come out for it. Uh, back on the weekend, so I think there'll be a good crowd. Halford are obviously more quick about it. Um, Though I would expect Talbot on bottom in terms of support. Because basically the whole village goes. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's about 3,000 maybe in, in Offenland. Um, and there's always about that and maybe a wee bit more at the game, the Junior Cup. So. Yeah. I remember when the Junior Cup final used to be on Scott Sport. Um, that was their flagship of the season um, <laughs> and then obviously it's moved on to Alba but, uh, yeah they used to be great finals the junior finals but I've not seen them for a long time not going to lie um, but hopefully your boys do it John this week I'll be rooting for you aye definitely yeah my, my abiding memory of watching the the Scotsport coverage was uh, I mean Jock Brown I think actually was commentating at the time he kept referring to Camelon when he went Camelon but I think you have to be. I think you have to grow up around that area and know it's pronounced Camelon, not Camelon. Twelve and the final. We already have won the most by a by a good by a good margin. So I think we are Madrid. They're going for twelve European clubs on Saturday. Does it not thirteen? They're going for now. Yeah, it's 13. Oh my god, that's what it is. And Liverpool's going for number 6. Yeah, so it's... Uh, I, it's, 
it's two of the, the most successful clubs in that tournament. Because I think only AC Milan are more successful than Liverpool. Is that right? Yeah, I think Barcelona's overtaken them because Barcelona's in six now. Are they? I think. 92, 2006, 2009, 2011. No, it's the same, sorry. My maths is dreadful. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, John? Water, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, Real Madrid are in 12, Milan are in 7. Bayern Munich are also in five, along with Barcelona and Liverpool. So that's your, yeah. that's your biggest winner. For some reason, I, I thought Barcelona got to six. Yeah, for some reason, no. I thought Barcelona got to six, but they've also missed one. Oh, but I mean, Barcelona won the first one in '92, and then their second one was 2006, mm-hmm. when the, the final that Larson came on and turned it in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, then they did the, the treble on two occasions. Yeah, why is he mentioning the devil again? Do you think Andy Robertson will add to the list of Scottish winners? Uh, well, it, it, am I right in saying he's the first Scotsman to play in the final since uh, Paul Lambert? Because I can't remember yeah. if Darren Fletcher ever did. Yeah, no, no Fletcher never, never, never came on. Did no. the bench, but never came on. Aye, that happened in two occasions with Fletcher, and then there was one in between 2009 where he was suspended for a ridiculous red card at Arsenal. Um, it's just never a red card. Aye. Because um, I think he would have played in that one, but obviously he couldn't because of suspension. But the other two, he was an unused sub. Um, but yeah, Paul Lambert yeah. was the last one to so play yeah, in a so, final. Yeah, yeah. so if, if uh, Andrew Robertson does as expected, playing that final with the first one since Paul Lambert in 97, 97, Dortmund. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good final, that's so. one. It's Juventus, so... <laughs> Yeah, last <laughs> yeah, the last reckon. I just remember that one because um, I had a bit of my, my best mate at school because um, I thought Juventus would win, um, but obviously don't win, which meant I had to buy him a, a, bo- a glass bottle of iron brew at the, at the van, <laughs> the ice cream van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the bet. That was the bet in the school days. <laughs> yep. I, don't, I, don't, I would love to know how many Scotsmen have actually played in this final. I mean, I would imagine there was a few played from like, the the years that Liverpool won it, and um, as well. Did Forrest have any Scotsman on our team? Yeah, John McGovern. John Robertson. John Robertson. Aye, of course. And us, maybe some others as well. Aye, it was obviously eleven point sixty-seven. John Walker at Ipswich. Oh, that would have been one of the UEFA Cup final. That was UEFA Cup, yeah, and he joined yeah. Liverpool after they'd won um, the European Cup. Graeme Souness, obviously, Steve Nicholl. Um, yeah, the, the other guys I was thinking of, like Douglas should be another one. So. Yeah, of course. Um, I wonder if Gary Gillespie actually won it as well. So he was at Liverpool for a while. Uh, Alan Hansen. Alan Hansen. Alan Hansen, yeah, I don't know if. Souness? I think we said Souness, didn't we? Yeah, we said Souness, yeah. Thank you. He, he lifted um he lifted the trophy in his final game before he went to Sampdoria. Gillespie was a sub in the eighty four. It wasn't <laughs> used, but he was a sub but he was on the bench. Mm-hmm. You just find that hard to believe because he was so rotten at Celtic. If you be honest, I, I had a, a a real dislike for Gary Gillespie before he signed for Celtic. 
because he, at my very first football game, he scored a stupid own goal. <laughs> it's actually on YouTube. Um, I might send you the link later, but there's a it's my first ever Scotland game, my first ever football game. It was a week after the Aberdeen Cup final we mentioned when he was one of penalties. Um, oh yeah, the Poland game. Played the Poland game because of my ancestral background. I was taking a look at that game and. Mo Johnson scored the opener for Scotland and then Gary Gillespie chipped the ball over Andy Gorham and one of the most hilarious own goals you're ever likely to see and the game finished one each and I hated Gary Gillespie for that <laughs> and that was a flurry sign for Celtic <laughs> Dear me Yeah, speaking of the, the World Cup you, may, um, you mentioned it well, that was a World Cup qualifier um, warm-up um, I've got a blog coming out later in the week Um which is going to set the, the tone for what I'm expecting when we do our World Cup special in two weeks' time. So, have a good read. And anyone else who's listening to this podcast, um, get ready because it's good stuff. Hi, we're going to do a World Cup podcast, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, cool. You somehow make it relevant to us, don't we? Well, I'll, I'll be supporting Poland, but <laughs> three three times I've looked up who Poland's group is. It's completely what's the, what's the opposite of memorable. <laughs> so I think the word forgetful, Forget, forgettable. It's a it's a completely forgettable group. It's got Poland and three teams. Even now I can't remember who it is. Japan, I think, are one of them. Poland, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. That is yeah, such an uninteresting group. It's just the most boring group <laughs> in the world. Unless you're one of those four nations that you actually care about. And obviously my Polish background, I do. <laughs> I think the games are rubbish times as well. I think there's like one that's like Tuesday at four o'clock. When I'm at work. I can't even watch it. And then there's like... I think there's, a, I think there's a weekend game which I might be able to see. And then there's another game that's just like a, a, a Monday or something. I've just checked in terms of other Scottish players that have played in the Champions League and won or European Cup and won it. Uh, Aston Villa had three when they beat Bayern Munich in 1982. Can't say I've heard of any of them. Alan Evans, Ken McNaught and Des Bremner. And then Nottingham Forest had five in the team that won in 1980. Frank Gray, John McGovern, Kenny Burns, John Robertson and John O'Hare. Nice. Four of them played. Oh, John O'Hare came off the bench. Going back, obviously you've got the Lisbon Lions, but then you get after Park Redden. Yes. It was also in the books at Celtic before uh, he went into Man United. So, so that's not been a lot. Well, hopefully Andy Robertson wins it. Um, is that be good for our game and show the meteoric rise um, of someone who was freed by Celtic, went to Queens Park and built his way up and win the Champions League it just shows never give up your dreams yeah. oh um, incidentally uh, the 75 European Cup final when Leeds made it on the way to the final you had uh, David Stewart and goal Frank Gray Billy Bremner Peter Lorimer Joe Jordan and Eddie Gray came off the bench Aye. but they lost to Byron so I think I think I'm right in saying that Celtic and Steyr Bucharest are the only two teams to ever win it by eleven men for the one country. 
because all the Spanish teams have got like an Argentinian or a, or something along those lines. Yeah, I don't see anyone ever matching those feats ever, and it's going to be very difficult to see that you know where. So it's a bit of background put me off there. Um, yeah, where there's so many Scots in the one team, like you mentioned, five at Nottingham Forest, four at Liverpool, stuff like that. That's not going to happen again, unfortunately. But okay. it'd be nice to dream. Can you believe it's the end of the season now? I know it seems to have sneaked up this, but uh, aye, it's been a it's been an interesting season. Uh, obviously, a successful one from a Celtic perspective. Uh, I know we did the, the predictions and the hopes and the dreams and all that at the, the very start of the season, and I think my uh, my hope was that we would Celtic would get to Europe after Christmas, having been in the Champions League. So I even get that. Yeah, it's made my hopes are probably the same that season. What I hope for last year. Scottish Cup win, please. Yeah, I think we both wanted that, um, but didn't quite happen. Um, thanks to a Paul and Sitting um, semi final performance. But yeah, we've been dreaming for 29 years, so hopefully it'll come true. We can't go the same as Hibs did. That just. Um, <laughs> Well, we wouldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> He's done over 80 years away from that. I'm just noticing some of the predictions that we all made at the start of the season. Um, but Craig put Livingston to be in the playoff this season. Um, I put Montrose to finish... Yeah, I put Montrose to finish bottom of the, the uh, League 2 and they won, the, they won that division. Yep. I think most of us put one to us, did we not? You did as well, Chris, looking yeah. at it. Um, not one of my better ones, unfortunately. I think, I think John had um, Partick Thistle in the top six. Everyone else had a combination of Celtic, Aberdeen, Rangers, St. Johnson, Hearts and Hibs. I think the Hearts are probably the ones that let us down then. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's seen what come on, what we're going to do. No. It was... Uh, it was uh, of, of, of all the things that happened this season, I think that signing of Steve Clark was was inspired and proved to be uh, just that in the way they rallied. I, I was really interested to see what they did next season, see if they can kick on from it or not. Something else I just noticed that that predictions blog was put on in the first day, um, the first of August, and Hamish, remember him, um, put main hopes for his um, for the season. Can see Cathro coming under serious pre- fan pressure because of this. Um, talk about the League Cup. He was sacked that morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not bad, it's nice. Just go there. Is it good early? <laughs> it came to an hour into it. <laughs> so I've got one more thing to talk about before we sign off. Right. And that's, that you like this one because what's this podcast without a bit of wrestling chat? I spotted this on the BBC website oh, Grant, mm. Grant Holt wrestling switch for former Norwich striker the former Norwich City forward Grant Holt has agreed to appear in the World Association of Wrestling the 37 year old who played for Barrow in the National League last season starts his wrestling training on a Thursday and will initially combine it with his football commitments Holt is scheduled to fight to team up with Roy and Zach Knight known as UK Hooligans at Fight Mare 3 in 2019 <laughs> that is brilliant obviously um Grant Holt was playing for Hibs last season. <laughs> so he helped him get out and get promoted. So. <laughs> That's brilliant. I've seen footballers convert from football to uh, boxing. Um, like 
Curtis Woodhouse was one, but did I think Rio Ferdinand's in there just now? But that's one I've not seen and ever was football to wrestling. Um, Weiser, the German keeper, not even remember him. He is on the books of the the wrestling in America. Yeah, she's at the bottom of this article. He's not the first professional football. What a branch out into this one. Stuart Tomlinson spent two years in WWE using the ring name Hugo Knox after leaving Burton Albion in 2013 and former German and Werner Bremen goalkeeper Tim Visa also moved from the pitch to the ring joining WWE in 2016. <laughs> Was Tim Visa the goalkeeper that made an absolute howler in the Rangers Werner Bremen game in 2008? The same goalkeeper. Um, I it might well have been actually. Yeah. Because I just remember he spilled an abs. Daniel Cusan had a shot from near enough the byline and he just spilled it into the back of the net and then he made an error for Stephen Davis's goal. That's all I remember Tim Visa for. <laughs> Maybe just like the next one then. Uh-huh. What Scottish players do you think is now could end up in the wrestling? Darren McKinnon. <laughs> just, just pick whoever you don't like, really, isn't it? That's question. I just thought of the, the biggest hatchet man in the game just then, and I thought of him straight away. Um, I know a lot of Rangers fans will probably say Ryan Bowman would be one, but. What about your picks, guys? For Scottish footballers getting into wrestling? You could see Scott Brown doing it, couldn't you? Nah. No? Nah. He'd be good for the walk-on, but that's about it. I've been good on the mic and all that. Oh, you see the, the, the mic action, that's probably, yeah. that's, that's probably the best bit of this one. <laughs> that's your this one part, nah, no one bust. <laughs> the, the one down south would be Akin Fenmar. Yeah, that was a cover. No, I think after um, an hour and 20 minutes, whatever it is, I think we're we're done. That's not bad because I've done only three games this week. <laughs> <laughs> the last few um, podcasts have been quite lengthy, so um, we haven't quite hit 90 minutes yet, so um, I think we'll cut it short before we hit that. Uh, definitely. Well, it's good to have you back on, Chris. Uh, it's been good to be back. Uh, good to have you back on. Hopefully, I'll be able to come back on a bit more regular. Oh, that's right. It's <laughs> the end of the season. Oh, well, I'll just need to wait about six weeks <laughs> before we're all back again. Oh, two weeks for the World Cup special. <laughs> two weeks for the World Cup special, of course, yeah. yeah. That'll get us through to the, the, the European qualifiers and the, the Betfred Cup kicking off again in, yeah. in July. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, bye.